You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I'm Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Lindsey? I'm good. It's Tuesday. It feels like fall in the air in Cincinnati and a big week five game coming up. It feels like forever since the Bengals played because they had that Thursday night game and then they don't play again until Sunday night football. It's going to be a long week. That's a great thing, though, right? I mean, rest. I assume the players are feeling like it's been a while, too. You know, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a few guys that could use the rest, uh, at least in my opinion. I mean, I feel like you're talking about us, like we needed the rest. <laughs> I needed it, yeah. Well, I was in Cincinnati, so I, I got the rest, but I was just kind of like doing touristy things. Um, and then uh, didn't really get too, too much rest. I, I'm like a day ahead of where I normally am, where like I'm done with my article today, yesterday. So I'm like, I don't got to write tonight. I just got to do my podcast. I'm done. And then I'll start a preview uh, probably tomorrow. Well, speaking of um, all Bengals, I know that's what you're referencing. I need to get an interview out. I've been promising James that I'll have an interview ready to go one of the weeks, probably since training camp. So soon, you'll you'll never know when it's going to come out, but maybe I'll do a one-on-one and it'll be on all Bengals soon. Yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, DJ Reader's not busy. You can get your one-on-one with him. Big fan of the show. Big fan of the show. We want to get DJ Reader back on track and... Uh, you know, I want to give some love to our social media followers before we get into what you did in Cincinnati, because we never recapped where you went to eat. And I think everybody needs to know. But can we give Dad the Bounty Hunter on Twitter some love? I love waking up to funny videos, people talking about listening to the podcast. And he puts out the video that we've been waiting for. And now you don't have to do it. You can focus on your articles. I know, Nick. I don't know if you can. If you can get in thunderous applause for dad, the bounty hunter for this, because I mean, that was awesome. That was what I was going to (laughs) do. Just the freeze frame. Don't you forget about me plays. That was perfect. And you know what? I'm fine with you getting all the credit too. Paul Daner was doing it. They probably all think it was your idea. And I'm okay with that because you did an excellent job. I I don't need, I don't need the credit uh, for coming up with the idea. You executed it. And uh, yeah, I get enough. I get enough of this stuff. You know, I want to. I want to spread the love. Well, I have a confession. When you were talking about that on the last podcast, I acted like I knew what you were talking about. I had no clue what you. Were <laughs> I shook my head. And I was like, "Yeah, that would be so great." I love <laughs> then Dad, the bounty hunter, puts it on Twitter, and I'm like, "Wait, I get what he went. I get it. It's really funny." Fist now. pump, '80s uh, music, and the credits roll. Freeze I- frame. 
I just shook my head and was just like, yeah, this be, I can't wait. You should do Speaking, that. Oh, man. Still sidetrack a little bit. Speaking of, this is tangentially related, but the Ted Karras uh, mic'd up. Very fun. Um, a lot of grunts and yes, but <laughs> I thought it was fun otherwise. I mean, I'm okay with the grunts and yes. Took me back. I mean, what what else would you expect from an offensive lineman? I mean, those oh, are, those are so much. So much. <laughs> <laughs> Question. I've only watched about a minute and a half of it, so I still need to watch the next five minutes. And I'm sure it's gold, and I can't wait to hear more of Ted Karras mic'd up. I know a lot of people need it from Joe Burrow, but I feel like Ted might be the best one so far this season, or when the season ends, he's going to be the best mic'd up. We need an Eli Apple mic'd up, right? I think he's going <laughs> to – he's the type of guy he leaves mouthpiece hanging, you know what I'm talking about with the trash well, talk. Don't you feel like that would have been the perfect game? I know, right? Because you probably hear Tyree kill too. Maybe they were worried about what it would be. <laughs> you know? Even because you got Ted saying, I'm hot. I'm a, I am I got a hot mic. You want to tell your teammates that because you don't want them saying anything outrageous when they're near you. So they just know like, okay, I got to turn it down just a little bit when I'm around Ted today. But uh, I assume Eli wouldn't tell <laughs> Tyree or anybody that. And it would just be like, <laughs> we need to like the uh, R-rated <laughs> mic'd up from Eli Apple and Mike in uh, in uh, Tyreek Hill. That's why they didn't do it because Bengals social media would be like, we can't use any of this. This is not gonna work. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and it would all be Tyreek Hill talking, and Eli would just be like, "Yep, oh great game." <laughs> the the intern was okay. like, "Oh my god, that's so much editing." <laughs> that, yeah, that didn't work out. So that maybe that's in the game plan later on in the season. We'll see if they meet each other in the playoffs if that happens. You were in Cincinnati. I can't believe we didn't even recap this before we get into Bengals and Ravens and all that fun stuff. Previews prediction. We'll have that later out on Thursday and Friday. Wait, where did you eat? Because you asked social media where you should go. I said the Eagle. Did you go to the Eagle? Okay. So the reason I didn't go to the Eagle is because oh, one. Oh, 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 stop. Oh, it's there's one in Pittsburgh. There's one an hour from me. So it's that's why. Lame. I was... <laughs> it gives me something to do around here. <laughs> so I'm going to go to the Eagle. I just. I didn't go in Cincinnati because there's things in Cincinnati that I can't eat here. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a weird situation. Um, my best friend since middle school, his uncle is a district manager of uh, Skyline. So I had to have that one day. Mm-hmm. So I had the Skyline. Um, we were so late to the game. We did Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Because I was like, ah, eh, it's probably three and a half hours. I, I drove it uh, in the summer. Wait. It was five hours. <laughs> How did you not know how long it takes to get from Pittsburgh to here? That was so questionable to me. I have no idea. I think it's because I went to um, Buffalo and Niagara Falls. And I don't know if that just went in my mind because that was three and a half hours. I was like, yeah, they're both like three and a half hours. It's fine. And then (laughs) we pulled up Google Maps the day of. I went to the gym before we left. And then uh, he calls me. He's like, dude, it's five hours. Why would you say three and a half? I'm like, no, it's not. And I pull up my Google Maps. I go, Whew, just cardio today. <laughs> you know, I got to get out of here quick. So, uh, yeah, found out it was five hours. And then traffic sucked, too. So, and finding a parking spot because we were getting there kind of late. Also terrible. But I made it. I made it on time. I made it a little bit early. I got to go to Bengal Gyms and meet a few people. Um, shout out to uh, just another Bengals fan, Lorenzo. And then the group of writers that all hung out drinking Modelo behind the... <laughs> Fan. John Shearer beat me in a chug off by that much. Oh my God. I should have cheated and just been like, ah, I'm done. Because I waited for like the last drops to fall. I should just like, yep, I'm all done. I was well, upset about that. Do you have a video of that? Because I'm sure. Everybody- no, I should. We should. 
he just pulled out the Modelo because I said it on Twitter. He said something. I think he replied to my tweet and he said something like, I'm the guy with the, I brought a case of Modelo or something. And I was like, OK, chug off. And uh, it's just like a handshake. And then um, when I get there, he cracks open a Modelo and he hands me one. So I crack it. It just started. Uh, <laughs> it was like all of a sudden things were happening so quick. But uh, I'm not going to lie. I will admit that he did beat me in the chug off by. I want to say like less than half a second because I, I, as I was going down, I saw he was going down just a little bit quicker at the same time. I was like, Oh man, come on. Uh, did you go to Eli's? I did. Yeah. That's the one, uh, not skyline local place I ate at. So ate at Eli's, I got ribs, I got uh, jalapeno cornbread. That's the best thing there. I think that thing's that slapped, uh, and mac and cheese like the mac and cheese, but I, I was interested when I saw my friend, he got, I no idea. I've never seen like mashed potatoes that I'm super interested in from a barbecue place, but whatever they do to cook them, it's like, they're like almost seared. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was interested, but the, the cornbread was my favorite the, the sauce. So good. I bought a bottle and uh, ribs were awesome too. So I had a great time. Um, that was really the only restaurant type place I ate at other than skyline. And I was like, skyline really count you know like i it is local i eat it but like everybody's had skyline i don't know you know the vibes are good on a season when we just spent almost nine minutes in the intro just talking about all the good vibes coming to cincinnati eating the food everything's good went to the rheingeist brewery that was sick too i wish i had more time because i went up there i was like oh my god there's like board games and uh ping pong and cornhole and uh um there was like a retirement party too going on at the same time. And I was like, that's fun. That's, I guess, where I would have one, a brewery, right? Like it feels like the birthday parties, you know, less and less people come, but then my retirement hits, I'm down for beer and cornhole or whatever's going on. The biggest question, are you coming back for any games this season? So it's, I don't have any set that I'm coming to, but I did have a friend who is a coach in uh, Kentucky and he was like, I want to get to a game, I think, uh, sometime after November when our season ends. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you there. So there is a possibility. I looked it up. A lot of road games in November. <laughs> but um, early November, I believe it was – oh, man, who they play? It's not the Saints, not the Falcons. Falcons are the last week of Panthers? October. Yes, Panthers. And then uh, the next home game after that is the first week of December against the Chiefs. I would assume he probably would want to go to the Chiefs game, but I'm a little scared of going to the Chiefs game. I don't want to bring bad luck. I watched them both from home while I was hanging out. Uh, I'll but, be there. I'm good luck. They won the last time I was there. So Oh, awesome. They're 3-0 and when I go. So I guess I do that. Something's got to give. You know, we either my streak of watching the Chiefs at home, watching them beat the Chiefs at home ends, or my streak of undefeated when I attend the game ends. So, yeah, no, I – it was such a cool time. And the experience at the actual game was awesome. I mean, we're like 10 minutes in now of recapping Cincy. I hope the people, I hope the people you like this. What? We're going to get plenty Baltimore <laughs> Bengals content. We have another podcast. We got two more. <laughs> this is, this is, this is mini bi-week content. Right? <laughs> relatable to what everybody wants to talk about right now. How your week bit went, how the tailgate There's, went. <laughs> there, oh man. I have to say though, Bengals gym, Bengal gyms is like the coolest tailgate of just, it's just a block party. And uh, cause when I was telling my friend, he's a Dolphins fan. Uh, that's why he went with me. But um, 
he he was like, oh, so we're just gonna park at the parking lot of the tailgate, right? It's like, oh no no, it's like a block party. You you can't park there. There's people like everywhere. <laughs> no, and honestly, you brought up a good point. That I will say the best part of living. I live in downtown Cincinnati, towards over the Rhine, and I'm very grateful to leave my car where it is and just walk down there because trying to get a parking spot now, when I was a kid going to Bengals games and obviously at a parking pass, you could park anywhere you wanted because it was wide open mm -hmm. and that place was not selling out. But nowadays you have to get down there early. You have to park your car far away from the stadium. And if you want to Uber back, you're going to have to walk really far down the road and try to find that Uber. Yeah. Oh, it took us an hour to leave the parking garage. And that was the most frustrating part of just sitting there in the parking garage because I stupidly was like, oh, I'll just go to the bathroom once we get out of the city. And then it was an hour in the car that I had to wait before we even moved. I was like, oh, you idiot. I was trying to beat the traffic. I was like, watch the whole game. And then once it's over, I was like, well, I don't want to hold everybody up. <laughs> the playoff game last year, it was absolutely freezing. And we were trying to get back because we weren't walking. We we're like, oh, we need to get out of the stadium, walk walk down the street a little bit, get an Uber, wait for an Uber. I mean, there was no, no, no chance of getting one. I, that's what I mean. There's good and there's bad. You play good, your stadium gets sold out. It's hard to get an Uber. It's hard to leave the stadium. I'll take it every day of the week. Uh, but no, it sounds like you had a great time in Cincinnati. You need to come back for Kansas City, Buffalo Bills, Monday Night Football. That's going to be a huge one. Sports gambling is going to be. That's like, like January, isn't it? January 2nd. Sports gambling I'm, is legal on January 1st in, in Ohio. I'm such an anti-cold person. <laughs> like you live in the. We live in. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> but uh we'll see I, i'm definitely thinking of the kent State chiefs or the panthers game because i want to see. see baker mayfield oh man the the like one percent concern that they all pull it together because it's baker mayfield against the Bengals. i'm not concerned about it but there is like just in the back of my mind like you know like he sucked last year and he killed the Bengals. <laughs> I didn't realize how bad he was until, I mean, he just always seemed to light it up when he played Cincinnati. And I thought, well, maybe he's playing with an injury late last year when they were struggling and they still had a shot at the playoffs. I mean, that game could have been bigger with Cincinnati in the last week of the season if they didn't beat the Chiefs uh, the second to last game. And it's just wild to think about that. That dude is really bad. Oh my God. I think, I think it's offensive line related to, that's the only thing I can think of that why it's so different. Like he wasn't good last year. But he's like actively bad now. And a little bit has to be the coaching because you know, we look at everybody that goes there seems to do worse than they do everywhere else. But also like he went from what the best, second, third, best, in elite offensive line that really wouldn't give him any pressure into one of the worst offensive lines. They got a rookie left tackle that's trying to figure things out and some other young pieces. So they uh, struggle in there. So I think it has to be. He was always a little bit of a happy feet guy or trying to roll out type thing. So I think it's just all blowing up. Um, oh, well, not, uh, whatever. <laughs> you know, he's NFC. <laughs> That's like uh, a bad NFC team. I just have no feelings for. We're going to wrap this segment up in a little bit. The funny thing is in our show notes, we were going to talk about Joe Burrell in the first segment. We'll move him to the second segment. But speaking of quarterbacks and the NFC. How about the Dallas Cowboys right now? That loss is looking a little, and I know who they've played over the last couple of weeks, but at the same time, they're they're doing okay since that Bengals game. That's why I was trying to say that, hey, everybody keeps posting the quarterbacks of who the Bengals played, and it's like, don't just look at the quarterbacks. That Dallas defense is legit. I think the Steelers defense with Watt is legit. Like, the reason the Bengals offense looks so bad was a little bit of rust, a little bit of, 
you know, they were working things out play calling wise, but a little bit is these are just two, in my opinion, elite defenses. Now it doesn't look like the Steelers defenses, but I really do think it's a lot different with Watt. So just to me, I'm like looking at that now. I'm like, yeah, uh, the Bengals offense seems fine. And a little bit, that's uh, the rust coming off. Everything's coming together. But a little bit of that is they haven't had to play an elite defense. And um, in my opinion, they don't this week either. I mean, if you look at how many passing yards that defense has given up in the Baltimore Ravens, I'm not trying to give my prediction yet, but um, it could be pretty fun in favor of the Cincinnati Bengals. But we'll get back next. All, all about QB1, quarterback Joe Burrow on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It is time to talk Joe Burrow Thursday Night Football. little recap. You've had time to go back and rewatch the tape. We talked about the offensive line on the last podcast. Make sure you check it out. It's Always Game Day Cincinnati. Subscribe, listen, tell your friends, download. Joe how did Joe look for you when he had that uh, seemed like a pretty nice, clean pocket? He, a lot of people have compared it to the best protection that he's had since he's been in Cincinnati. What did you think about his play? I thought Joe Burrow played pretty well. It really hasn't changed much since um, the last time I talked about it. Around a B. It, it's just, man, some of the misses just stick in your mind of Jamar Chase down the right side, and it's really underthrown. Um, not the underthrow that they are debating whether it was an underthrow, which would be like an inch or two, but like yards underthrown, and he had to jump up back into the defensive back to try to get it. That one sticks in my mind. Um, there's a couple others that he just yeah, just felt like he like sprayed it or just something happened. Um, one on the right side again uh, that just goes high out, of, and I think it went out of bounds. Um, on the left side, I believe there's another miss out of bounds. It's just like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, Burrow usually hits that. Burrow usually throws that closer. You know, at least if it's not deadly accurate, which I think he is, it's like there, it's what, like maybe a yard off, not uncatchable. I don't think he threw very many uncatchable balls last year, and there were a couple in this game. So that just stops me from moving it to an A. But I do think the pocket presence, the movement in there, Everything like that has gotten much better. Oh, there's one more. I really wanted to take this shot um, because 
Chase keeps pulling the single high safety to him and they had T on a go route and he goes inside release, but it doesn't matter because the safety's on the other, other side. I was like, Oh, second and six. That's a really good time. In my opinion, to take that shot. He ends up throwing it into the flat to mix in pretty quickly. And it's like a no, nothing play. It was somewhere between negative one and one yard. So it was a, a, it just took him a third and six anyway. I was like, ah, that's a good time to take that shot. T would <laughs> look, it's like a 50% chance that he probably catches it, right? Because even though he had him beat a little bit, the ball has to be really, really good. And then he has to come down with it. And if it's a little bit underthrown, it becomes a contested ball. But look, the, the 50% chance of getting an explosive play and your downside is third and six, that's worth it. So I want to see him take that shot. I think we've been talking a little bit too much about I want to see Burrow take that shot, that one shot. And last year it felt like he was a flamethrower. <laughs> you know, everything was a deep ball, but it's getting there. I think it's all coming back and just the accuracy is what I really want to see. I think the one, the miss on Chris Evans, I'm going to say that was more of just, I feel like Joe understands his connection with his receivers. When you think of even Joe Mixon, when he throws it up to Joe Mixon or Jamar Chase or T Higgins or Tyler Boyd. But I feel like that's just kind of like, just not super. The chemistry is really there with him. I think it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit, the guy's like five foot nine. So <laughs> the ball, if it's like an inch off, it seems he can't come down with it. I also, I don't want to say for sure. It's hard to tell, but I'm not sure if Evans saw it too well because it felt like he was right left and then kind of like dove for it whereas when you see a guy that's able to track it really well like jamar chase is just like one look one look one look over the shoulder um so that was probably getting a little bit too cute they knew they were going to get a good matchup but even even like i feel like i'm trying to think of who they like tyler boyd there but sometimes they gave boyd quite a bit of attention so yeah, I mean, when you think of the slot fade, I'm trying to think of who I would want there that isn't Chris Evans. Chris Evans might be the best option. Joe Mixon's taller. If you can get him on a linebacker, I could see that working. But unless Chris Evans beats the guy as bad as he did in Detroit when he ran that go route and just toasted that linebacker, it's hard to get him when the defender's close just because he's so small. I think you go back to week one and even, you know, just early on in week two for Joe Burrow and he was turning over the ball, giving it to the other team. And I think that's kind of more of the lack of reps. And you could, some people could say that's not playing in preseason. Joe couldn't have played in preseason, even if they wanted him to, just because he was coming off of his surgery. But at the same time, Joe seems to be taking care of the ball. I, I like when they take chances down the field. When they do take chances, good things happen. We saw that with Tyler Boyd. We saw that with Jamar Chase. We saw that with T. Higgins down the sideline, goes into the end zone. But I think that's one of the positives, too, while this offensive line plays better. Joe's making really good decisions that aren't the week one that we saw against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, he's not forcing much right now. Uh, that's what we want, uh, especially against teams that they uh, – I don't know if they're – 100% on paper better than the Dolphins. I mean, Dolphins are 3-0 and they beat the Bills and all these other things. You know, they're a good team. Um, but if he was playing this way against Pittsburgh, even if he – he, I think he hit the balance of taking his shots, even though I want to take one more, taking the shots, but also checking it down and keeping the ball safe when he needs to. He's not taking the drive-killing sacks. There's a lot that's going really well for Burrow it, it, in his, you know, head wise, you know, processing, doing the right thing. So that's all there. Just need the accuracy to come in. But yeah, no, look, no turnovers from him. 
in the past three weeks, I don't mm-hmm. think. The no. only turnover I can think of is the Jamar Chase drop fumble issue. So, I mean, if that got ruled a drop, we're talking about a team with no turnovers in three straight weeks. But because that was ruled a fumble, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I This will not be an official bashing podcast because I can't stand them at all. And even though I know that tweeting at NFL officiating will never help, I'll always do it because they're so terrible at their jobs. But that's just not what this is about. Um, <laughs> well, it's just when they go to review and they still don't feel like they get it right. That's the one that bothers me. Live, I know it's hard, but when you go to review, it's like, come on. <laughs> but it's like, again, we're, this is, this is, we get 30 seconds to talk about this for one second because I'm going to bring it up because we didn't talk about it after it happened. We didn't really go in depth on how that officiating is, but I do want to talk about it. Not that it changed the game and the Jets game. It wasn't a factor at all. The Bengals won but, either way. So. <laughs> but you're not going to count T. Higgins for a touchdown in that game, but you're going to tell me that Jamar Chase fumbled the ball, ball and not, I've, I'll never, I'll never like that. I thought the rule would be that he has to be able to tuck it and then turn. I don't know the exact rule, but that's what it feels like. Catch and get it into the body, unless they're just going to catch it and hold it out type thing. T does that sometimes. Really strong hands, arms. Um, But yeah, when they catch it and go to tuck it, he clearly caught it, turned to tuck, and the ball just fell down. That so much feels like a drop to me because... Man, if that's a fumble, there's so many fumbles, you know, and that's kind of what I thought when they first changed the ruling was like, oh, there's gonna be a lot more fumbles. But this is an extreme one. Like, I don't think he caught that, man. He took like one step and he didn't even get the ball into his body yet. He was trying to tuck it and that's where it fell. I'll never forgive them for the Logan Wilson call. I'll never forgive them for that. <laughs> they're an evil bunch, but um, hey, they're the, probably not listening to the podcast, so it's totally fine. I'll just make sure that I keep telling them how bad they are at their jobs. Uh, but moving on, someone who's not normally bad, he's, he's struggling. He's struggling right now. We've talked plenty about the run game, but Joe Mixon talked to the media. He talked for like 20 to 25 minutes the other day on Monday. They get back to practice tomorrow on Wednesday. We're recording on a Tuesday. And he said he had a players-only meeting, not one of those ones where it's like things are going wrong because obviously they won two two games in a matter of less than a week, but more of, hey, I want to talk with my offensive line. We're going to group up. We're going to talk about what I need to do better, what maybe they can do better, what he's used to when it comes to the protection, the line. And obviously Joe Mixon has played with terrible offensive lines. And I would say this is probably his best one. So a lot of people are scratching their head. Hey, is Joe hurt? What's going on with him? He's not the same Joe Mixon. Yeah, running back's life in the NFL isn't super long. But at the same time, I feel like Joe's going to have his burst of a game soon. What did you think about Joe kind of just pulling his offensive line aside and just saying, Hey, let's talk about, let's talk about the problems right now. It felt like a positive type meeting. Like they were just like, Hey, I need, you know, we need to iron this. out." It's not Joe pulling them in and going, you bums need the block. No, it seemed very much like, uh, what can I do to help you? What can you, and I'll let you know what you can do to help me and what can you guys do help each other type thing. And what do we like to do? What do we not like to do? And it feels like the Bengals coaching staff is very, um, I try to think of the word, but like they, they listen really well to uh, the players and they take it into account understanding, um, so I think if they come from that meeting, I think this meeting happened on Wednesday, but that's a quick turnaround. Yes, it was. It was game. Wednesday. That's my bad for the, the wrong day on that. But yeah, it was Wednesday before the Thursday night game. Yeah, that's such a quick turnaround to try to do the Thursday one. And uh, But um, 
for the next game, they got the mini bye week. Maybe they just talk to Frank and Zach and Brian and just like, hey, this is, these are the plays we really like to run. And I think we all see this on the same page because there is a chemistry between the offensive line and the running back where the offensive line is trying to define the read for the running back on most plays, um, especially zone plays like that. And then on the power plays, I think there is a little bit of a tempo issue. I think Mixon is sometimes too quick to give up on what's happening in front of him and move to the bounce type read. And sometimes he's getting that ball and I, I don't see it as too slow. I, and I know this sounds very counterintuitive on these uh, downhill plays. I don't see him as too slow because what, what usually happens is he sees it and then he's like, ah, they're not getting enough push. Let me, let me go try to create over here. But a lot of times it opens up right after. And I know that sounds very counterintuitive, especially to my mentions about Mixon's dancing around too much back there. But I actually feel like just just like a slight hesitation or something a little bit longer to let those blocks develop. Because this is a pretty this, – this is probably the best line he's played with. Uh, but they are trying to figure everything out. They're trying to figure out what schemes work best with each other. And they're trying to get the tempo right for Mixon and the offensive line. Maybe he wants a little bit more – Sounds stupid, but you know, get turn your hips a little bit more. Get show me the because what they read is usually the butt of the offensive line, so you get a little bit more. <laughs> That's what they're talking about. They're trying to figure it out. You gotta get on the same page. It's all different people. But the benefit yeah. is, you know, when he is pulling this offensive line aside, he's only he was only pulling a few people. And like you said, this was a definitely a positive step. It was definitely you, you know when teams like are struggling and they can't get it going, they always kind of have those player only meetings, and that's never a good thing for coaching staff. But Zach Taylor even talked about it in his press conference on Monday, and he was very optimistic that you know that was a good decision. They're very open, like you said, to listening to what they're talking about and you know how to change that. And I think there's a benefit because you have a guy like Frank Pollock, who is the offensive line coach and also the run game coordinator. So working that in being that coach for, for both sides of the ball and, and helping in the run game is, is really helpful for your offensive line coach and your offensive line and your running back and Joe Mixon. Frank seems very uh, open to communication with players. It said he wanted to, I know when they brought in Karras, he said, well, Karras has worked with some really good players. I want to hear what he has to say about doing things. And, you know, maybe I'll listen and make some changes there. He also seems to have really great relationships with like all of his players. That's why Collins wanted to come here. Mixon was the most excited person when he came back. Uh, a whole bunch of like the, the players love the guy. So I think that, lends itself to he communicates well with them so whatever they came out of there with they probably feel open enough with him and like him enough to go hey these are what we think works this is what we don't think works these are a couple changes maybe we want to make maybe even to get the, the tempo right maybe they want mixing the you know take like a little bit of a half step extra in the backfield before he i don't know before he pushes forward or something like that just let those things develop and um I don't know. I think it was very positive. This wasn't an 0-5, 1-6 type players only meeting where they're just like, this coach's staff sucks. We got to come together. <laughs> because I think it's <clears throat> the chemistry between the offensive line and running back is just off a little bit. So they want to get that working together a little bit stronger. And, you know, it probably does help when they talk to each other about these are the plays we really like to run. What are the plays you guys are doing, think you're doing really well with, and what can I do to do better? What can you do to do better? It just seems very much like a very smooth type of meeting to me that I, I, I think it was a, 
I think it was a good idea. So I don't think this was a bad thing. And um, also, I believe Mixon said he's feeling great. Now, I don't know if that means he's feeling great now that he got to take a mini buy or if he's feeling great as in there was nothing really wrong the past week. So I still think there might have been an injury lingering. But um, I'm hoping that the mini buy got him a little bit extra rest. And maybe he comes out strong in the Ravens game because, I mean, I think they will need to put up some points against this team um, and Mixon will be a big part of that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think when you talk about rest, it's going to be beneficial for a lot of people on this team. Lyle Collins, who we've talked about, you know, feeling like he's dealing with a lingering back issue. We'll get the first practice report update when it comes to injuries tomorrow and Thursday. And that's when you get really a feel for, you know, who's questionable and a game time decision. I feel like I said before on the previous podcast, he's going to be someone we don't really see out there practice that much, uh, but we'll still be participating in the meeting rooms, all of that behind the scenes, but ready to go for game day. And same thing with T Higgins. You know, we saw the game from T Higgins on Thursday night football and that guy, he rolls his ankle early on in the game and he's still showing off out there. Like, yeah, I still got it. I'm still a wide receiver. Number one on a lot of rosters playing like it right now. I want to get to the wide receiver room in just a little bit because we got plenty on Jamar Chase, T Higgins, the weapons. We've talked plenty about Joe Burrow, the offensive line. We're going to talk about that next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. We talked about the run game. We talked about Joe Burrow. We talked about great places to eat in Cincinnati. Make sure you get to games early and find a good parking spot. Next, wide receivers. There's a lot of talk about well, can when is Jamar Chase going to get the ball? Is he getting triple teamed, quadruple teamed? T. Higgins is having himself a day out there. He's wide receiver number one. You can have two wide receiver number ones on a team, and that's not a problem. If Jamar Chase is getting quadruple teamed and T. Higgins is open, that's a great day for your offense. Joe Burrow says all day, let me go ahead and have that open all day. Let's talk about the wide receiver room, and I know that you're writing a piece on it more in depth when it comes to T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. How can Jamar Chase get more involved on Sunday? I wrote it already. Uh, it is out. Um, so I did write a whole section on what I would do to get Jamar Chase more involved because really to me, you don't need to. <laughs> it's almost like, yeah, if they want to play T like that, let them play like that. But I know that, you know, there's – you know, Chase is going to want to catch the ball. And there are still ways to get the get Chase involved that doesn't hamper the offense. That's not, well, just throw him the ball when he's covered sometimes. He can come down with it. <laughs> you know, I don't agree with that line of thinking, uh, even though it is somewhat true that he probably could still just come down with it. But um, to go back to the drop fumble, what they did on that play was actually really creative. They put Jamar Chase in the gun offset where Mixon would usually be right next to the quarterback. He runs what's called a choice route. So he runs up out. He runs around the tackle up. And then if somebody comes up to play man-to-man defense on him, he'll either break left or right, depending on where they're, where they are so that he can get separation, get open. Uh, But they actually backed up, played zone. So he just sat down and that's when he would catch turn run. He's such a good yards after catch guy. He's so strong. He's got giant, legs and calves he's built like a running back um and that was something i noticed pre-draft i remember being like oh my goodness this guy isn't built like a wide receiver he's like six feet tall 200 something pounds and he's got giant legs that's a running back to me but uh that what that does he's an awesome receiver (laughs) but what that does is he's a good yards after catch guy so 
he catches the ball and then tries to just push forward, does a great job, but the ball's out. Uh, I want to see them get back to that. I don't think that play had anything to do with why he fumbled. It wasn't the route or anything like that. He seems comfortable running it, and that's just a real quick way to just, okay, this is early down, first, second down, so that they're not playing some type of weird coverage where this won't work. Just you run a little choice route. We have a whole concept going down the field, but if they either back up or I see good separation, I could just hit you and let you run after the catch and get with the right matchup. It'll work out really well. Um, you see a lot of offenses anymore are doing this. So putting their wide receiver in the backfield, they're, they're number one type of wide receiver, Tyree kill Debo Samuel, the guy that the defense is keying in on, put him in the backfield. He's not as much of a deep threat because it's just, you know, five extra yards. He would have to go to be a deep threat, but if they're a good yak guy like chase Hill and Debo, then that's a good spot to just get him the ball, get him, still get him his targets, get him fed and uh, still work within the offense. I think the Baltimore Ravens saw what happened last year in that first matchup when it's a gift now, because a lot of people wanted to show Lamar Jackson, just beating the Bengals defense a couple years ago with Jesse Bates running circles around him. It was back. It was payback. Jamar Chase gets out of the tackle, runs for it. He has the whole secondary chasing him, just like that Kansas City Chiefs first matchup, and, and he lets it go. I have a feeling on Sunday Night Football, yeah, the Ravens were battling a, you know, a few injuries. I had to hear about it for the whole entire season. But I don't feel like they're going to let Jamar Chase eat at all. I don't think anybody wants to let Jamar Chase eat anymore. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's a that's I think the the issue the quote unquote issue where he's only on pace for like twelve hundred yards instead of the sixteen hundred. Two thousand. He was going to go for two thousand this year. Come <laughs> so on. They're, they're really focused on taking away his ability to work down the field, which has opened things up for T. I mean, if you only look at the full games T has played, cut out that game of the Steelers where he gets injured in the second quarter before even halftime. He's on pace for 1,600 yards. <laughs> He's eating, you know, because of what they're doing to Chase. And uh, everybody else, I think the offense is doing fine lately, especially as everybody gets a little bit of this rust off and they're working together better, getting more chemistry. Um, so I, I don't really have issue with not throwing the ball down the field to Chase, but you do want to get him involved because he is still a talented player. He's still probably your best player on the offense. So just – get him his targets, get him the ball underneath some screens, um, even just on shotgun run plays, just have him just stand there as like a little, Hey, if this corner is going to go way off of me, throw it here. And I'll, I'll make that guy miss. And that's what we saw against the Titans. Uh, that's called an access smoke. Um, smoke is just kind of like the stand there route and access is just basically, do I have access to throw? Is the corner way off? Can I just, flip this out there and a lot of coaches think of that as a run play just flip it out there let them go so it'll increase in their mind their uh, their run average which has been kind of poor so if he could get a few of those out there if they're just gonna try to play off and really protect deep there's a whole lot there, there's a whole lot you could do just get involved underneath and let him run versus what they did what seemed like all of last year i mean his average depth of target had to be like 20 yards because everything was just uh okay when's the jamar chase go ball coming <laughs> 
I mean, you go back to last season and just Jamar Chase alone, the the Kansas City Chiefs game, not even just the second half of how that looked when, of course, what he put up is insane numbers. I want to say he had more than Patrick Mahomes in that entire game. He did. I remember because he was like, no, I didn't. (laughs) They run him off the stats. The third and 27. Look, he has so many things to remember from last year, but the third and 27 will forever be like, I can't believe that he was able to catch that. And and just changed it changed the ball game in the second half. Can't believe Spags brought cover zero on third and twenty seven against this offense. Not Joe Burrow. You do not do that to him. Hey, the 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 Dolphins they tried it. The one time they tried it, that was the flip out to T, and he made the corner miss and ran like nine yards and fell down. And then I think they went crap. <laughs> like the Bills don't have these yak guys, but the Bengals have big yak guys. So that we can't just blitz and play way off like we we. We have to figure out a coverage that'll work. No, and, and you you mentioned Jamar Chase's height and you know what he looks like. It's funny because I don't think a lot of people realize that until the Bengals social team, one of their road trips, I want to say they were going to Dallas. They posted a picture of of T Higgins, Joe Mixon, and Jamar Chase was on the other side. And Mixon's and taller, isn't Mixon's, he? Mixon's yeah, Mixon's taller, and he I mean he looks bigger. Obviously, he's a running back, so he's gonna be. But Jamar Chase look so tiny compared to all of and them it's wild it's hilarious he's a little bit stubby too like he plays big but his arms are like first percentile and all this other stuff and I, there is a theory online that the arms being stubbier is how he can get away with a little extra pass interference because they can't see it because it's not as long of arms you think of those long arms that's usually what they're calling so his little his littler arms don't get the call but uh no i i it, he is a unique wide receiver to me just and we know that already from being one of the best deep threats with one of the best yak threats but he's also just uniquely built the way he is just so stocky strong and a little bit lower to the ground than all these wide receivers because deandre hopkins is about six feet tall but he's got like 30 some 35 inch arms or something wild they're like offensive tackle arms that can go down to his knees when he's standing <laughs> jamar chase is like 29 inch arms so that's the big difference between those two chase is a bit like bolden but he's faster um when, when i'm thinking of who he compares to so i think of like a fast anquan bolden um and think of how strong both those guys are in running after the catch so i think that's uh that's kind of the unique build of jamar chase which love going into because he is such a unique player like t He's not as unique. He's just, he's kind of the big, tall, strong, and Boyd's one of your prototypical slot guys. So you've got like those types, but then Chase, for especially for an X receiver that he usually plays, he's just very uniquely built and it's fun. When you think of, because I mean, this offense, it's wild when your expectations are extremely high. Of course, after a very surprised Super Bowl run, I feel like, you know, maybe it was a year early, but for them, you can't talk like that. Like they, they felt like they were good from day one and, and they were able to put it together. But with this offense in the last couple of games, I feel like they could have put up 35 and even hit the 40s. And we look at them, we're like, oh, they played, they played a little better. And they're, I mean, they're fine out there. A lot of NFL teams would take that right now with what the offense has been able to do. But we're like, mm, 35, 40s where they should be at right now. You know, what do you take away from that? I think some of that's the defense, though, right? Because the defense isn't allowing these long drives. So we have more time. The offense gets more chances. They've controlled time of possession by a ton. This defense has been awesome getting the ball back. 
So they get all these chances and we go, ah, they squandered that one. But there's so many that they still end up scoring like 27, 28 type points. But then you think like they could have had 35, they could have had 40, they could have had this because the defense is getting them the ball back so often. And we have such a high opinion of the offense. It's not like the 2000 Ravens where it's the defense nonstop or even the current Steelers. <laughs> it's the defense is almost trying to score for them. No, we want this offense to score, you know, 30 by themselves. So when they're getting defensive help, that bumps up to like 40. Um, yeah, that, I think you want to give the defense some credit for how often they're getting the ball back to this offense, but also, yeah, the offense is so good that we're just like, you can't squander these one or two opportunities, even though they're winning and the offense looks good. I feel like we have a Evan McPherson game winner going to happen soon because Bengals fans, were, they're so used to the three-point win, three-point loss, and then you get into these games with a double-digit win. I feel like Evan McPherson hits the game winner, and it could be soon. Are you predicting that this week? I'm not giving my prediction right now. I'm just saying it could happen this week. So here's the win-win situation. Well, I hope it doesn't happen against like the Falcons. <laughs> well, here's when I could I get to say that. So I'm going to say it's going to be soon because if it happens on Sunday night, I'll be like, I called it. I told you it was going to be soon. And then if it happens against Atlanta, if it happens against the Saints, I'll be like, guys, I told you the Evan McPherson game winner was going to happen really soon because Bengals fans have had time to breathe for a little bit. They had a little break from Thursday night football all the way to Sunday night football. You have all these primetime late games coming up, and they're like, okay, we're just chill right now. You know, we're getting our heart rate back, and then all of a sudden it's going to be one of those either just, I don't know. I don't know what kind of I, – I still don't know what's going to happen that Baltimore Ravens game. I have two days to think about the prediction for that and what I think is going to happen. I have no clue. Yeah. Can't You're not allowed to predict, uh, but uh, but yeah, um, I think Bengals fans will be ecstatic about a field goal, last second field goal win against the Ravens, and frustrated if it happens in the next two weeks after against the Saints and Falcons. No, it's a, a win is a win. A win, a is, win a is a win, but I think they'll be a little bit frustrated. Of like, come on, we're way better than this team. We were in the Super Bowl. Say that about week one. I don't even know if you can say that about week two right now. I don't even think the week two game is that frustrating. I mean, it's annoying because you still had opportunities to win, and if you don't get off to a slow start you win and what happens when they don't get off to a slow start and they score a touchdown in the first quarter they win the game back to back week so week one is always going to be frustrating to me when I look back on that game and the thing about it is a lot of people are like I can't believe they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers oh my gosh nine punts for that offense that's terrible quarterback gave the ball away all that stuff long snapper no other team has had to face TJ Watt when they played the Steelers if TJ Watt was out there against the Jets Jets are probably losing that game I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he's such a very good defensive player, obviously defensive player of the year, but also I feel like they never have the guy to step up behind him. They tried to trade for that Broncos guy, but he's been fine. And Alex Highsmith's done a good job this year, but still not TJ Watt. And imagine having those two together instead of one trying to replace the other. So yeah, I think it's just a completely different defense with Watt and, uh, Whatever. No, I mean, th like I said, I think at the start was just when that happened. I was like, the stats aren't going to show it. But to me, this was an elite defense. Kind of talked about the entire time. Very bad offense, at least at the time. Maybe Pickett will get them better. But that you throw five picks and you lose in the last seconds of overtime. Or four picks uh, in losing the last seconds of overtime. <sighs> it just shows you, like, yeah, the offense they faced wasn't very good. Uh, but including a pick six. Like, that should have been a blowout. But the it offense, should have been terrible. Yeah, the, it, felt, Steelers, it actually felt pretty terrible. It did. The Steelers' offense just couldn't pull anything together. Their defense 
were, they were elite in that game, getting four turnovers and getting a touchdown for yourself. All these things, like yeah, they, the Steelers defense was very, very good with TJ Watt. Without him, I don't care how they're performing in stats or whatever. And I know all the stats that like use your opponent are gonna like say like, oh, they did bad against this bad defense, but that defense is really good with Watt. Yeah, I, I'm really pumped for this matchup on Sunday night because I feel like we're really going to get a test of where this team is and everything seems to be rolling with the offensive line. Joe is playing pretty well and uh, you know, sky's the limit for what the wide receiver room is going to look like. And this defense right now on this podcast is performing like a top five defense. I agree. Yeah, top five. I'm there. I'm, I'm no longer trying to uh, hedge with a top eight, top 12 type thing. No, top five. They're the top five right now. Will they still be that way after the Ravens game? I don't know, but I do trust Lou with a mini bye week against a team that he's killed before. Uh, I also think the Ravens are going to be very angry about what happened last year. So I think it's a very interesting Sunday night football match. And they haven't won at home in a while. So that's what's, that's what's wild about the matchup. Did they, was, was this last game? Yeah. The last game was at home. Did, did they lose to the Dolphins at home? Looking yeah. it up. Yeah, they lost. Remember, they they lost to the they gave up all the points in the fourth quarter. Lost to the Dolphins. Yeah, they lost that game. I was trying to think if it was at home uh, for them. I think it was. I think it was. Yes, it was. Looked it up. So yeah, so, they've lost two straight at home. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like, but we'll have previews, predictions, all that fun stuff. Make sure you go check out his piece on Jamar T. Higgins' wide receiver room over on All Bengals. Obviously, just broke it down now, but now you got to go click on it, read it, and uh, tweet him and tell him how much you love the article. At Bengals underscore Sam. We got plenty to talk about. I'm really excited about Sunday Night Football. It feels like forever from now, but we're almost there. I'm looking forward to the preview of the podcast later this week. Make sure you download and subscribe. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Follow Game Day Cincinnati over on the Twitter page. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.